guys. Thanks for meeting us back at the movies. We are so sorry we have been gone. Um, we're glad to have you all here. But like we had mentioned on our last post um, back on the 23rd of July, granted, we're not, you know, actors, actresses, writers, directors, producers, you know, we're not in the business of movies. We're just here talking about them with y'all. We thought it was the right thing to take a break until the strikes were resolved, which they have been since this week. So we're glad to have y'all back and get back into the swing of things. Alrighty. So for this week's episode, we are talking about the movie Lion. Um, just a little bit of um trigger warnings for this movie, you guys. There is a lot. Um, there is drug use, um, drug conversations at that. Um, there's also trigger warnings when it comes to sexual abuse, trafficking, um, just be wary of it. Um, do your research beforehand. Um, so that's that. We also want to apologize if you hear any rain. We are recording from a rainy day. So we are right by our window. Um, and unfortunately, this is the only spot we can record in right now. So you might hear some drizzle in the background. Yeah. But like we said, we are talking about the movie Lion. Now, this movie has a great cast. Um, the lead is Dev Patel. Now, I know him from Skins UK. That's where I know him from. Mm-hmm. And Slim Dog Millionaire. That's the only place I know him from. <laughs> and he's been in more things, but those are the two that I can think of right now. His character is uh, Saru. And then we have Nicole Kidman, who plays Sue. We also have Rooney Mara, who plays Lucy. And John is played by David Wenham. I think it's Wayne's or something like that, but yeah. Which Richie caught that he's from Lord of the Rings. Exactly. Who does he play, honey? He plays Faramir, if I remember correctly, yeah. Which, honestly, in my opinion, he was really good in that. I just get a little fangirlish every time I see him in any other movie, honestly, because it was in this one and then in Van Helsing. When I t- oh, yes, yeah. when you brought it up a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I'm more of a Boromir girl between the two brothers. I prefer Boromir. Yeah. But that's besides the point. Anyways, <laughs> so to keep this sweet and simple, we're going to get to the point when it comes to the summary. Basically, um, I'll have Richie go ahead and start off the movie and what it is about for us. So basically, it's Saru when he was the little child, probably like four or five or something like that. We see him and his brother, Gudu. His older brother, Gudu, is taking him doing some jobs or some other stuff not really jobs but i think some of them might be stealing and stuff like that and because in the beginning of the movie we saw we saw them steal coal from train so obviously i feel like they're stealing that and then selling it Mm -hmm. and bringing it back home and it is important to note that the movie and the characters are based out of india um so of course unfortunately at the time this movie was based out in 1986 Mm -hmm. um jobs scars back then and not much so you know nobody's here to judge they have to do what they have to do to survive yeah so yeah that's how it starts yeah uh, and we don't know how it is on that part of the world to be honest yeah like, like you said what year was it 1986 so 1986. i mean <laughs> jobs were fewer than anywhere so we, as we continue uh we see them too they're coming home and these jobs do take a little while i guess in a couple of days because later down the movie we see his brother could do uh tell saru like, oh, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be gone for a week. Mm-hmm. So basically, the mother wants somebody to stay home. But obviously, Saru is very young and his older brother could go work. So he basically tells Saru, oh, I'm going to go. I'm going to be gone for a week. So take care of Shakila. So <laughs> Saru is like, no, uh, take me with you. You know, I'm strong. I can lift heavy things. I'm mm-hmm. strong. Basically begging him 
So he actually just says, might as well come with me. So he takes him. You see them on the bike. They're just going through town, some town. I don't know. Uh, and then they end up at a train station. Mm-hmm. Saru's very sleepy. Uh, Gudu's trying to wake him up. Like, hey, wake up. And he's like, no. Saru says, no, don't bother me. I'm sleepy. Wake me up later. And so Gudu tells him, okay, stay right here on this little bench. And I'll be back. He's like, okay. So Saru falls asleep. I don't know how long it's been, but everybody's gone. Gudu hasn't returned. He's just by himself. just wondering, like, you know. So he goes exploring a little bit. He gets on a train. He looks for Gudu. And all of a sudden, he passes out in a train cart. He wakes up. It's already morning. And then that train starts moving. Mm-hmm. I'm over here thinking, like, I would cry. Yeah, but he was looking. And I guess, you know, he was so tired. So he just looked back into his sleep while on the train. Yeah. So what amazes me that out of all the stops, well, I, well, I guess... He was small, so he can really open the doors. But for a while, he was on that train. I don't know for how long or for how much many miles, but he did end up in uh, somewhere else. Yeah, he traveled 1,600 kilometers. And it was kind of sad because when he's traveling, he comes to a stop. And one of those stops, he's screaming like because he sees people on the side of the train track. He's like, help me, get me out. Or point is, he's asking for help, and people are just staring at him like nothing. They're not doing anything. I don't know. But it was a sad scene to see for sure. On um, what you said right now, I was like, oh, because he's talking, but nobody can understand him, probably. And then we find out he actually speaks Hindu. Because when he gets to that one stop, mm-hmm. he, I guess they speak um, Bengali. Yeah. 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 He's traveled far. And that alone has now made him be in an area in his country where it's a different language, yeah, unfortunately. A whole different language barrier for him. So after that, he does stop in a town, and that's the same town where he's, like, trying to get help also. And nobody's, you know, like Richie said, understanding him. Um, And he ends up seeing this little girl drinking from a tap um, for some water. And he mimics her. You know, he's thirsty. He's been hours, possibly days on this train now. We don't know. And he ends up following the girl to an alleyway. And at that alleyway, there are other kids who are unhoused kids, one could assume. And one of them gives him a piece of cardboard so he can sleep at least on that and not on the cold, like, cement or gravel, you know, road. But then a really, and this is how most of the movie goes on for him for the next two months, unfortunately, um, a bunch of men just appear in the middle of the night and kidnap all the kids. Yeah. And one can assume it's, I mean, obviously not for anything good. And by some miracle, Saru actually gets away. As he escapes, uh, I think he ends up in a shrine, huh? Yeah, he ends up in a shrine, um... And there he ends up getting a bit of food that he grabs from, like, a like the shrine from the religious offering. Yeah. Um. So at least, you know, there's that he gets to eat. But that scene before that was tough to watch. I mean, it's something that goes on a lot in, like I said, in the movie. Because um, after that, he's walking in some train tracks and he comes across this lady. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but at first I was like, she seems nice. That lasted for, like, two minutes. I was like, no, no, she seems a little bit suspicious. Yeah. I like I got that same vibe. I was like, oh, maybe she's cool. Like, oh, she's nice. I mean, if y'all watched the movie, what did y'all think? Because yeah, she, you know, she bathes him. She like, you know, takes her I think of his hair, feeds him. Okay, she so. seems friendly, talkative. 
But I don't know. I mean, after the last scene, it just kind of like left a bad taste in my mouth. But yeah, she was cool in the beginning. But after what she does is. Yeah, she she tells Haru that a man's going to come help him get to his mom. And thank God, even though he's five, Saru does. He is a very intelligent little boy. And he puts two and two together after the man comes to visit that he is there with bad intent and he ends up running away. Yeah. Again, thankfully, he gets away from her and we're back to the same thing. You know, he's back. Now we're two months later from when he got lost from his brother. Mm-hmm. And it's a very sad scene because we see him find a spoon in some like rubble or trash or something. Yeah. Um, And he's sitting outside of a window from a restaurant and he sees this man eating soup and he's imitating him yeah and i thought that scene was so sad like i don't know it was just it was a sad uh scene but actually i think this is where the movie does pick up in my opinion yes just because like for that kid that person he was imitating he goes to pull he takes saru and takes him to the police he does the right thing that anybody else prior to this should have done yeah he's a five-year-old boy so yeah he takes him to some station where they try and, like, report him lost and, like, you know, all this. Say they can find his mom. But once again, like, the whole language barrier and, like, not knowing exactly where he's from comes up. Yeah, but good thing that that person actually did speak Hindu. Well, yeah, but then there's Hindu, still so. the the aspect of they're not sure exactly where Saru's from. Oh, yeah. They're not really understanding him. Oh, no, because he keeps, repla- he keeps uh, repeating uh, a word. I forgot what word was. I would probably pronounce it wrong as well. Yeah, so we're not going to pronounce any of the towns or anything like that. Just in respect of, you know, people's places. We don't want to mispronounce anything. But um, once he gets to that station, they end up taking him to what kind of looks like an orphanage. Mm-hmm. Um, And this little girl tells him, like, this is a bad place. And it is. We end up seeing that in the middle of the night, this one kid who caused the scene... um. Well, scenes, I might say, I mean, maybe that was how he was coping, but he ends up disturbing the class because they're teaching them. It it looks like their alphabet or something. Um, We see in the middle of the night that some like guards, they look like guards to me. Uh They come up and they like take him away in the middle of the night and he's screaming and they take him to a man. They tell the man, bring him back before morning. Yeah. So one can, you know, imply and make their own predictions as to what kind of operation they're operating under there. Yeah. So, like she said, it's a bad place. But thankfully, a social worker finally comes and meet. Well, I think she's a social worker. I don't know. I, I was going to say maybe. I feel like she is. Yeah, because she meets with Saru and she's like, they don't like me here. And, I mean, a corrupt place isn't going to like a social worker who's trying to help him. True. And we find out that Nicole Kidman's character, Sue... And her husband, John, who's played by David, um, are trying to adopt him. They're a, cu- a couple from Australia. And he ends up um, asking the social worker, like, oh, have you looked for my mom? And the social worker's like, yes. And like, she shows him like the poster, the newspaper flyer that they have. And yeah. it's sad because he's like, well, you know, have you tried? Yeah. That part was a little bit sad. He's like, kind of like, like lingering to this last hope. And when she says, like, nobody's replied to this ad, he, I guess, kind of, like, has a light bulb switch. And he ends up leaving to Tasmania. Yeah. To where John and Sue are at, basically. Yeah. And I like that little transition because from where he goes from there, he has his little Tasmania shirt. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, he gets on the plane and gets to Sue and John. 
Yeah. And that first interaction, it was cute. It was bittersweet to see him, like, finally kind of relaxing. Yeah. And letting his guard down a little bit. Um, And I like how there's a scene where Nicole is, you know, watching him while he takes a bath, you know, just to be safe. He doesn't get hurt. And she tells him, like, one day you'll tell me everything. And um, she'll always be there to listen to him. Yeah. So it was a cute scene. Um, After that, it just, the movie progresses. A year passes. They adopt another kid named Mantouche. Montage. Montage or something. Yeah. They adopt another child, um, but he seems a little bit more nervous, more anxious than Saru did when he got there. Um, But... Once again, like, you can just see that Sue and John are great parents. Like, they try, and you can see that they're comforting him. They're not getting impatient. They're not getting frustrated. It is difficult, that's for sure, because mm-hmm. in one of the scenes you see Nicole Kidman's character actually at night at the table just looking, crying, crying upset, I don't know, with probably with herself. Yeah. But then you see Saru with his good nature going up to Comfort go up her. to her yeah and comfort her i thought that was really sweet yeah and then after that like what you said the movie picks up pace um we're now 20 years later and we see an older saru yes which is uh dev patel and um basically it's now they're in melbourne it's 2008 um we see where i guess saru's adoptive brother is still having like issues because he's saying that he's you know worried um, that he's upsetting their mom and, you know, stuff like that. And you can tell kind of that she looks um, sick, I guess, from stress or worry or whatever. Yeah. But one scene that surprised me was, so Saru's going to school for hotel management. And he meets up with like, a bunch of his classmates at what looks like a house party or like a house gathering. And there's other people there, two other men who, if I'm not mistaken, are also Indian or of some Indian descent. And they're mentioning certain things, and Saru just does not seem to identify as Indian. They're like, oh, you like soccer? Who do you go for, the Aussies? He's like, all the way. Uh, It wasn't soccer. It was uh, cricket. Okay, well, point being, like, a sport. (laughs) And it just doesn't seem like he identifies with his own heritage, his own ethnicity. Yeah. And that was a little bit sad to see because it's like, you can, I mean, at least from what we've seen, it doesn't seem like Sue and John are like trying to strip him of his identity. Yeah. But it is sad because it's like that wasn't chosen by him. You know, he got lost. Yeah. It's, I feel like he was trying to forget. Perform. No, I was perform. I was trying to say forget from all his past trauma and stuff like that. Like now you can see he's grateful for where he's like, he's grateful mm-hmm. for his adoptive parents, where he's at. That's a it's good great. point. I didn't see it like that. Yeah. But, uh, as you were saying, that scene, yeah, you can tell that he has some mixed feelings when they talk about Indian and mm-hmm. Australian things. So while they're at that house party, there was a scene in the beginning of the movie of this, it kind of like a candy thing. I, I'm not going to try and pronounce it, guys. I might pronounce it wrong. But when him and his brother in the earlier scenes are in a market, he tells his brother, like, hey, look, it's so-and-so food or candy. Like, you can tell he wants some. Yeah. And... Um, I, I guess they, you know, they didn't have the money for it or whatever the case was. And in the party, he gets up to go get another beer and he sees it and he has those flashbacks. And I guess he finally, after so many years, gets to taste it um, and enjoy it. And that was a scene that was also so sad to see because 
It's like the fir- I feel like maybe the first thing that connects him back to his past it, life. Yeah. And that's what kind of generates the conversation with his classmates of like his past. Like he opens up to them and they tell him like, well, you know, with the advanced technology now, we can like try and kind of map, you know, X miles and how the train went and this and that. to oh, yeah. See, you know, where you're from. See if we can find something and help yeah. you. They give it the best advice. He's like, no, it's okay. He just like kind of gets annoyed with the idea and he just wants it dropped. I mean, wh- why do you think that was though? Like that he was kind of like, no, it's fine. Like whatever. Well, well, it's like I said, because I feel like he's trying to forget that past trauma, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, but I think now, like after seeing that and talking about it, I think, like you say, he did kind of get that little wake up call and they said, like maybe he should at least look. If his uh, mom and the siblings are okay, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he has a good support system because he starts dating also, you know, Mara's character, Lucy. And, you know, she seems supportive throughout the movie. And he does start, you know, looking into it a little bit. Yeah. And that's all we see because now we're at back in Tasmania. Now it's 2010. And he's still doing his searches. Um, And we end up getting to a scene where they're at dinner at Susan John's. Um, both of the boys are there mm-hmm. and so is Lucy and she's kind of like saying like well why don't you mention to your mom what you've been doing and like you know like I guess she doesn't understand how this might come across I, that was a little bit frustrating to me because like you don't like mention something like that at the dinner table that's something more private and personal true and she doesn't know how she's gonna react I mean Lucy's not adoptive her no. mother passed away no like that was a little bit insensitive in my eyes and so he's telling her like drop it like no like stop and then i guess he's already in a bad mood because after that saru says to his adoptive brother like he isn't my brother we're different yeah and that sets him off that sets his brother off and and when he first got adopted he had a habit of hitting himself like when he would get frustrated i'm thinking probably and it's a habit that he still has because he starts doing that on the table and i'm like that was a douche move on saru's part like just because you're mad like, why are you saying that to him? Like, he was just sitting there about to eat his food and he just starts attacking him. Yeah. Even his dad is like, hey, that wasn't cool. Yeah. So then after he, we see him hitting himself, he actually attacks Saru for a little bit and then his dad pulls him off. So he's trying to calm him down. We see uh, Saru tell his mom, like, I hate what he's done to you. Mm-hmm. Me thinking like, huh. I wonder if she if he thinks she's showing favoritism towards him instead, you know? I, I didn't think that. I thought what she meant is I hate the stress he's put on you. Like, he has, you know, caused you so much worry, so much pain from his actions. Oh. I think that's what he meant more so. That makes sense. But maybe just because I got a little mixed size because, like, when he said that, you see her get up and leave. So that's why I... I assume. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I have in my notes. I have here, like, how can she be upset at him saying that? Yeah. So I guess she doesn't understand where he's coming from. So I guess both things can be right. Yeah. I could be right in the sense of he's upset at how he stressed her, and you could be right in the sense that she thinks he means that he, she's playing favorite. That makes sense. Yeah, because of her reaction, like you said. Yeah. 
But after that, guys, the movie picks up more. Like, Saru's still looking. He's feeling guilty that he's looking. And also feels guilty that his, you know, family that he left, that he lost, might still be looking for him. He gets so involved in this research that him and Lucy end up breaking up. And... They end up catching up in one scene, like, you know, she tells him, like, Sue's not doing good. But even then, like, he's still doing his research. Um, We find out that um, Sue was worried about where her other son was. Turns out he was out on a lobster run. Yeah. And she mentions that she's worried that now he's going to have cash. He's going to go back to the hard stuff. Yeah. Um. Thankfully, you know, as far as I recall, they don't show anything of it in the movie. So. Yeah, they only reference it. That's about it. Yeah. And at that point, we see a scene that was actually very interesting. Saru tells Sue that he's sorry that she couldn't have kids and that he she ended up with two that had history and had to adapt to their history. Yeah. And she tells him, like, I could have kids. I chose not to. There's so many people in this world. Why bring more when I can help those who need the help? I thought that was a great scene. That was I a really, really good liked, scene. I really love that one. Yeah, I thought it was a great scene. Um, Coming from somebody who's worked in a job that involves children and plenty of jobs that have children that was something very noble of her to do because like you said like she what's the point of having more when there's so many that need help exactly also what i think was a great scene as well is like a little bit after she mentioned that it's uh how she tells saru about this vision she had when she was 12 mm-hmm. years old i love that so basically apparently uh something happened to her when she was 12 years old other people were calling it quote unquote break mental breakdown Mm -hmm. but when she described it was a vision basically uh she said that there was a brown little boy standing right next to her and i feel like she really she just referenced obviously saru Mm -hmm. so maybe it was a future premonition so i was like wow maybe that's a good point um but after that conversation saru just goes home destroys all his research like, he's ripping things apart, and I'm just confused. Like, I don't understand. Like, I, I feel like at that point, Sue would be like, okay, I understand. You want to look for your mom. Like, throughout the whole movie, we've only ever seen her to be understanding. Yeah. Like, there's no malice in her, any of her bones, honestly. I think maybe, like, like he said, he just was worried about hurting her feelings. Yeah. Like, not that she would be upset, but that she would be sad, maybe? Yeah. Not that she wouldn't, like, be okay with it, but just sad. Like, I don't know. It's weird, but... No, I get you. It's like, like you said, like, you don't want her to feel sad because, like, oh, just because I'm lucky for my real mom, you know? Doesn't mean I don't consider you my mom. Exactly. Yeah. Like, he does mention that later down in the movie, but... Mm-hmm. He was just worried about that, though. Yeah. And then after that, we, we're kind of already at, like, the 80% end of the movie, give or take. Yeah. Um, He's just laying there in, like, his couch or his bedside room. He's, like, scrolling through, like, his computer on what looks like Google Maps. And you can see he starts putting together, like, the texture of the map. Like, it looks like the area where his mom worked because his mom worked in um, collecting rocks. They were, yeah. So he starts putting two and two together and he ends up finding the town. Which, come to be, he's been pronouncing it wrong this whole time. Yeah. I mean, he was five. I mean, who can say they can pronounce anything perfectly at that age? I still can't pronounce any other words right now. <laughs> exactly. So, this poor child, while he was telling people, like, you know, like, repeating his town over and that this is where he's from, of course they weren't going to know when that town didn't exist per his pronunciation. Yep. After he finds his home, uh, it's the next morning, I believe, he goes to wake up uh, Lucy... And tells her, like, 
I found home. Mm-hmm. So they're both happy. Basically, he's telling her, will you wait for me? Because I, I feel like right then and there, he meant that he was going to go look for his, his mom and his family, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, from there, we see Daru show John and uh, Sue uh, what he's been doing. And that's when we find out, like, oh, you know. They're what, supportive. Yeah, they're supportive, which mm-hmm. I've, I knew they were going to be, but you never know. But Sue is like, it's okay. You know, you can go, like, go. I'm mm-hmm. happy for you. And stuff yeah. Like that. Now, at that point, he's back in India. And now it's 2012. And something we forgot to mention, guys, this movie is a true story. So remember, he went missing in 1980 something. Um, I don't want to flip my pages and have y'all have to hear the flipping. But and now we're 2012. Like, it's been over 25 years. Yeah. I think he mentions. Yes, he does. And so. He's making his journey back. He ends up really close to a town where he, he used to be. And you can tell because, like, in some of his flashbacks in the movies, like, there's this bridge, uh, some dirt land, and, um, I like, a little fork in the road, I believe. He's walking through all that. Everything's coming back to him, basically. Mm-hmm. And then we finally sit in on his home, like, his hometown. So he's going through little alleyways, and he finally gets up to, basically, his front door where he, he used to live. Come to find out, nobody's living there except a goat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously, he's upset and stuff. Mm-hmm. So then uh, he finds somebody. No, somebody comes to him, talking to him. But I don't know if he understands. It seems like, unfortunately, I mean, he was five when he got lost. It seems like he lost his native tongue um, because he doesn't understand what she's saying and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And that's when he comes across this man who does speak English. And he shows him a picture of himself. Like, this is me. I'm Saru. Yeah, I used to live here. He's like, oh, you used to live here. Okay. So then from there, he gives him back the photo and he leaves. And Saru's like, do I follow you, basically? Like, in his head. And he does uh, follow him. So come to find out, his mom is alive. I love that little reunion. Yeah, it's nice. We see his mom walking back obviously shocked surprised and both of them are having this you know sweet reunion and then uh she mentions too that she looked for him for so many years that uh she did not leave she did not move because of that yeah he does ask you know where gudu is and unfortunately he did end up passing away and we don't find out until the end um you know he's obviously in shock that was seen extremely sad because i mean saru doesn't have a father like in the beginning of the movie, as far as we see it, at least not a physical father. Yeah. Um, until he, you know, gets adopted by John and Sue. So I feel like his brother was his father figure because they were quite a bit of a gap in age. Oh yeah. Um, and he ends up also reuniting with his sister. Um, his sister was very little when he went missing. Like yes. Saru was five, so you could just do the math. Pretty sure not much older. Yeah. And he ends up calling Sue and John telling him, like, I found my mom. And, you know, they're happy for him. They're, like, hearing the voice when he left them. And he tells them, like, you're still my mom and dad. And, like, he just reassures them. Yeah. And that's basically the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, We see at the end, like, photos of the actual, like, people. Because, like, we said it's a true story. And a little bit of information. We find out that he returned home February 12th of 2012. He had been lost for 25 years. Yeah. And... His brother actually got hit by a train, unfortunately, the night he went missing. What did you think? What was your rating? <laughs> okay, so I rated it 9 out of 10. Only because that one more point, 
that's me being a little pecky uh, little pecky yeah picky whatever just because i wanted to do it to be alive and you know actually be older but my opinion doesn't really matter because it's based on a true story so yeah really say much on that but honestly i still loved it still yeah i gave it a a nine out of ten two for my overall rating um the cast was superb i love the cast um the music there was a specific um title throughout the m- movie that i liked it was an instrumental one and the design the design was really good like you know when it came to like the structure of the buildings when it came to the costumes when it came to just overall everything in general it was really good um i thought the movie was good in the structure too like how i was saying richie i would have preferred it to get to the point quicker but he, he said like it's important to know this backstory because it hits you harder as you're going through with him as he's looking for his family. Yeah. So that was a good part, too, regarding the movie. But that's basically Lion. I thought it was great. I don't have anything else I would want the movie to have had because, well, like we said, it's a true story. So we can't really be like, oh, I should have had this. I should have had that. Exactly. So really, our commentary is more so like, how we were in shock or in delight or what, you know, our emotions throughout the movie. Yeah. So this is really just a, you know, a simple review um, to get us back into the swing of things too with Yom. Yeah. And our next movie and our final movie to recap the 2017 Oscar nominees is Arrival. And it is on Netflix, Paramount Plus, and quite a couple of other streaming platforms. Uh, like always, we suggest looking up the trigger warnings before you watch it. Mm-hmm. But that will be our final movie of the season. After that, we will be recapping with y'all what we think out of all the movies we've reviewed thus far should have won. As a reminder, Moonlight won. But we will find out in two episodes if that's who we think should have won. <laughs> All right, guys. So that's it from us. Um, We will be uh, hoping to hear from you all in the discussion on our Instagram. Let us know what you thought of the movie. And we'll see you next week.